Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, blow it up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. J. Paul Jackson here along with Dave Reynolds coming to us from Salt Lake City, Utah, and a very special guest we've got with us uh, today, Dave, and I I think a buddy of yours who actually does a job that you did something similar to before coming to us. Uh, We've got Jim, and if I butcher your last name, I apologize, Xavier. Xavier. From Xavier. Oh, I saw a beer once. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Jim is the uh, waterfowl project product manager for Sitka Gear. I'm wearing them right now, so we're really, really excited to have you with us today, Jim. Happy to be here. Yeah, great to have you. So, Jim, um, you you started with uh, a Gore originally, right? You worked with uh, Gore for quite some time. Correct. Yeah. So 23 years, actually. So it's been quite quite a ride. And I've been with Sitka now um, just about five years. Okay. And so quite a change from Maryland to Montana. By the way, Maryland, where their Gore office is. Correct. They have the worst worst street name I have ever run across. (laughs) Blue Ball Road. (laughs) That's correct. Yes. No. Yep, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, so you worked with Brad Yeoman. I mean, Brad's been, uh, you know, I I know Brad, of course. We go back and mm-hmm. get friends with Brad, but Brad is, was Gore uh, probably about the same time frame as you, right? Yep, very similar, yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, not not to brag, but I do have Brad beat by just a little bit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> He'll never get all right. Yeah, so yeah, we're both. So you both uh, went to Sitka then about the same time, so... Um, what involved that transition? I know Sitka, per- I mean, Gore purchased Sitka, and then Correct. some of the uh, Gore uh, staff went over to Montana to work at the Sitka office then? Yeah. Um, so Brad, actually, he was one of the, the first to go out, um, and he was involved with Sitka before the acquisition even. And so, yeah, he's he's done uh, several roles with the company and, and continues to um, – you know, work with Sitka now. I I want to say he's got to have seven years. Um, okay. Maybe even maybe even a little more than that. But he's also a long term Gore associate. He moved out um, early on, and you know I, I'm a long term waterfowl hunting uh, enthusiast, and and really wanted to to participate and help with the Sitka brand uh, as we got into the waterfowl category. Okay, great. Because Sitka originated well, big game primarily, right? Uh, waterfowl is a fairly new category for yeah, two thousand relatively, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, actually, I I I remember, um, I remember at Shot Show when we launched the the waterfowl category. Um, I did too. I was there, and we were looking at uh, you know we were looking at the optifade pattern at the time. Actually, yeah. a couple of years before that, I was at Shot Show when uh, optifade was. In development at the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's oh, been. Wow. In a short time, Sika has made uh, some groundwork and uh, 
kick some butt and taking some names in the waterfowl industry. Certainly, I, I, I like to think that we're doing the right things, and and, and you're the man behind that, obviously. Well, yeah, that there, there's a lot of of, of help, <laughs> the technologies, and and uh, really thankful f- to have the expertise that Gore offers in terms of capabilities, uh, laminates, textiles, and and just the things that make it possible to uh, make the product that Sitka does. Well, what's interesting is Sitka is one of the first, I mean, a unique marketing angle, much like, you know, ski companies, North Face, Arteryx, and, and bike companies, and the, promoting the the technology, you know, the high-tech materials and, you know, for um, active hunters, I mean, you know, all your marketing depicts, you know, active hunter. I mean, these guys, you know, hunting mountain goats up high in the mountains and hardcore waterfowl hunters. So, you know, your your approach, I think, has been similar to, you know, and unique for the hunting industry in, in uh, marketing to the active, you know, hardcore set of hunters and really putting emphasis on uh, the materials and, you know, more, more has uh, gear than... Uh, than uh, or equipment as thin clothing, so it's yeah unique uh, marketing angle which has been successful. The way that I think about it, I mean, I look at my Sitka clothing as equipment. I mean, it it is it is equipment that you wear. There's no better way to put it. I don't think. No, and that's exactly the that's exactly what I was getting ready to say. It's you think about all of the things that we have in our in our garage and all the investments that we make to you know for our hunting pursuit and the apparel is really the single most uh, important thing that keeps you in the field comfortable longer and and changes the experience that you're able to have in the field and and i think long you know and I remember growing up and some of the things that we had to wear and, and how uncomfortable we were. And, and, you know, we'd spend, you know, thousands of dollars on our shotgun and our dogs and our boats and our trucks and, and all that for naught if you're not able to stay out and enjoy yourself while out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Me and my son were just coming. The last few hunts we've been on have been pretty cold mornings. And it's like, man, thank goodness for this sick You know, we're, we're comfortable and warm. In fact, uh, having to you know take off layers and uh and you know if it wasn't for that high-tech materials and clothing and well thought out design i mean it's really makes a hunt more enjoyable more productive and especially important for kids because uh <laughs> you know when kids are cold and uncomfortable guess what your hunt is over yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> no doubt the same thing goes if you're hunting with uh with your wife as well she gets cold, you're done. Okay, so yeah, yeah you're, Melanie you're, loves her secure. gear. You're only as comfortable as the weakest link in the blind. <laughs> who's who's going to be, it. you know, be the uh, uh, the one to call it? So I, I, you know, I think that, and and you talked about layering, and I think that's been a big big thing for people to understand. And we talk about managing moisture, we talk about adding layers, and we talk about you know how how system approach to apparel and it really is um it's it's a very user specific thing and that's why there's options but at the end of the day how we manage moisture and and and, uh heat 
really matters. You know, and you just brought up a great point. Um, last year, some of the guys that I hunt with, they saw me out in my Sitka gear and, and wound up going out and buying a bunch of it because, you know, I'm always going pull layers off and get comfortable. It's so lightweight. It's truly waterproof. But, you know, so one of the first mornings out, we're there in the boot room and one of the guys is getting dressed and he walks in wearing a white 100% cotton t-shirt and then he starts to pull you know, like a mid-weight half zip like I'm wearing now over it. And I'm like, whoa, stop. You are totally (laughs) defeating the purpose. Yes. You know, you're going to get hot. You're going to sweat. That cotton T-shirt's going to soak up that moisture. Then you're going to cool off and you're going to freeze because, you know, it's not going to work. The great thing about it, you know, the the layer that I'm wearing now, this uh, mid-weight, you know, half zip and, put a gradient uh, jacket over, you won't need, if it's really cold, you know, put the Hudson over that and you've got those layers. But the cool thing is, no matter how active I get, I'm going to stay warm even after I start to cool off because it's not going to soak up the perspiration. It's just going to let that water vapor pass through all the way out. And to me, that is just so game-changing you know, because after you, you work so hard throwing the decoys out, getting everything set up, you work up a sweat, you sit down, you know, in the old days, they cool off and you freeze because you're soaking wet with that damn cotton underwear against your skin. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, everybody knows cotton cotton kills, right? I, I wish yeah. I, I could say that everyone knew that. I, and I think it, it. I still run into it routinely, you know, and, and – you know, I'll be at a trade show or consumer show or, you know, an event and talking to consumers and, and they'll share an experience where you're like, I, you know, I have this jacket in them and I'm freezing cold and I'm, and I'm like, well, what are you wearing under it? And so many times I'll hear, you know, about a sweatshirt, they're wearing the such and such sweatshirt. And I'm like, well, that's cotton. <laughs> I think that's, probably, yeah. you know, and then, you know, base layer you mentioned somebody wearing a t-shirt and we all like to wear a t-shirt but if you're not managing moisture at at the skin contact level that's i mean you're starting out all wrong and you know one of the fundamental things that we have to try and convince people is you have to start out with a good base layer and that base layer is fundamental to the system and it's going to manage your moisture and and be a part of that system so that you're not getting cold and wet and, and, you know, uncomfortable. So that's very important. You know, last year I went on a deer hunt and I'm wearing my waterfowl gear out, out deer hunting with, uh, with a buddy of mine and we're out there walking around. He's like, man, you are so comfortable. What are you wearing? And it was like four degrees Fahrenheit this morning, which is super cold for what you see. And I was wearing a long sleeve merino wool uh, base layer, you know, T-shirt. And uh, over that, I think I had a heavyweight half zip. And then over that, I had my gradient hoodie. And that's it. Three pieces of clothing. That's all I was wearing. Wasn't even wearing anything with Windstopper, you know, or or Vortex to it. Uh, But we were moving around fairly active. And, man, I was toasty. Yep. You know, and, and he's wearing some big, you know, uh, heavy stuff and, and still getting hot, sweaty, and then cold. And no then hot. suit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. What's your favorite thing that you've got, Dave? You know, I was going to ask that question too, Jim. My, my favorite thing, you know, um, man, I mean, all the items are great, but, you know, I, I, I think the most versatile is the Gore-Tex waiter jacket. And the reason being is I could wear that early season when it's 75 degrees mm. and layer under it and wear it when it's you know 15 degrees you have those uh, zip pits or pit zips uh you know you could vent um you know it has you know a lot of pockets and, and storage and in particular a lot of hunting i've been doing is a lot of hiking and it, it's just it's perfect for that you know you have the gore-tex have a lightweight versatility early season or late season however i have to admit uh just lately i've been wearing the hudson you know and um yeah, I haven't really been really anyone who's really worn a insulated coats. I've always worn shells and layer underneath, even for skiing. But I tell you, this Hudson is nice because you don't have to wear as much under. You know, you can just wear a, just layer, you know, one or two layers underneath. So, you know, you do have the freedom to shoulder your gun well, and, you know, probably even more so than when you have to have several layers. Um, mm -hmm. um, but... You know, my son's favorite, I'll tell you what my son's favorite is, is the collar's glove. <laughs> he loves that collar's glove, man. I mean, he cannot that's, hunt that's without it. And uh, I have one, too, and it is the bomb, man. I mean, it is weird. I mean, you tell people about a $100 glove, and it's like, well, really? But this thing is the bomb, man. And you put a hand warmer yep. in that collar's glove, and that gets so toasty. It's nice and fleece. I never wear a glove on my right hand, my shooting hand or calling hand. And that calling glove is, is the answer, man. It is, it is awesome. <laughs> that, you know, it's interesting because we could have the same conversation with 10 different, you know, people that, that all wear Sitka gear and, and each person kind of builds out their system a little differently. And, and, you know, it's being able, and, and I, when somebody asks me, you know, well, what, you know, what do I need to have? And I ask a series of questions and are, are you know, it, people run hot, people run cold, you know, people sweat, uh, just depending on, on the individual preference. And, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to be able to build out that system. I'm, you know, I'm most of the time when I'm in the field, I'm wearing something new, something that's I'm being, I'm developing. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'll wear, certain components i'll be happy to help with that by the way <laughs> it's, it's it is a it's a good thing to do um but you know so i'll be wearing different parts of the system but inevitably something i'm wearing is is you know in development and sure so I, if if i had to you know if i had to go out and and decide you know what is the perfect system for me um you know i i do agree the delta weighting jacket as a shell gives me the greatest uh versatility um for different ranges and different capabilities it's it's a great layering piece that i can build a system for almost any circumstance with and you know so i think it's great the the hudson another you know has a light insulation uh has the new stretch gore-tex technology and and gives you mobility and and things that is you know awesome for waterfowlers and especially as you're in you know different applications whether you're in a layout blind or, you know, anytime you're having to swing and have that mobility, uh, really that stretch is, is, 
you know, mm. yeah, I have an older one. I don't have the uh, the stretch, but that is uh, so it's around the shoulders, uh, basically, right? And uh, arms allows you to stretch and doesn't bind. Mm -hmm. Right, got it. Yeah, Jim, do you have a favorite product in your line? Uh, you know, I would say there's one piece that that probably ends up in every system for me, and that's my Dakota vest. You know, it's I, I end up using it, you know, in, in just a variety of ways, but I almost all the time I'll have a Dakota vest on um, insulation piece. I think um, the Fahrenheit jacket, which is reasonably new has been out for a couple of years, uh, super mm -hmm. packable wind stopper, um, just fantastic insulation piece. And, and I will say there's one of those in my pack at all times. Um, yeah. The waders of course is something that's near and dear to my heart that I've been working on for a long time. Um, so I'm, you know, super proud of, of those and continued to work on, on, on that program. Great. Yeah. That's a huge success story. My waiters. Yeah. I never dreamed that, you know, you could have a waiter that would be so durable, so functional and it doesn't matter the price. I mean, you know, you hear guys, you know, sure. Oh, I'm not going to spend that for a waiter. You, you ever get a try a pair of them on you're screwed because, and, and they truly are repairable. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing that you've come out with this system that, Hey, you know, you, you, you know, you're, you're out going through the brambles, you have a thorn poke through, you can actually find the spot and fix it, which is something that in the past you haven't been able to do. And, you know, it no, fits with sure. the whole I mean, system. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I have two $350 waiters I've had for two seasons and I get wet. You know, <laughs> but, and you can't, you can't locate the leaks. Yeah. You know, I've said this before, but it's not like, uh, can't take them in a dark room with a flashlight and uh, figure out where the leak is and patch it and be good. You know, it's just not feasible anymore. Yeah. And I, but, I feel extremely fortunate that, you know, we have, you know, the capabilities from Gore and then manufacturing capability in the U S that's able to do the service and warranty. Um, all of the all of the components and, and things that that we created, we started with a blank sheet of paper and, and you know, we tried to to identify all the pain points and, and create a product that would change the way people looked at waiters. And I remember growing up and putting on neoprene waiters and it was always punishment to wear them, to put them on, to take them off, to dry them, to to deal with leaks. Um, and it just was a it was a serious pain point. And you know, to change the way people look at waiters is um, what we set out to do. And I feel really excited that that's, you know, the, the product that we have created um, has met all of those, those um, needs that we identified up front. Right. Now, were you involved, uh, you know, Browning had the Gore-Tex waiters years ago. Um, were you involved with that project at all, Jim? No, I was not. I know no? Brad Jones okay. had some involvement earlier right then, so mm -hmm. but, uh, no I was not involved in um, even in the fabric side of things prior to coming to Sitka so well I'll tell you yeah. the Gore products are just amazing and someone hey I've been wanting to ask this for a while uh, is it true that Gore is the only company that has products on the earth moon and Mars <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that we have a strong space program. I don't know that I can qualify <laughs> to the level of, of where we have uh, product, but 
Uh, I, Martians uh, wear Gore-Tex, or they wear Windstoppers? No, no, they... in the in the one of the one of the. Oh, I know what you meant, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some yeah. more product was. Could be. Yeah. I've been told. I don't know if it's true. Or not. Dang it! So <laughs> help me with that. Yeah. <laughs> I would guess that there's probably truth in that. I know that we have uh, cables and electronic products in a lot of uh, aircraft and. Um, not sure about the the space program as well as um, mm -hmm. astronaut suits that we created way back when. I'm not sure if that's still the uh, uh, a current product or not. I imagine hunting is a very small segment for Gore overall. Uh, I met what is their largest? Is it medical? Um, what is uh, one of their largest segments? The, you know, we have a, a very diverse portfolio from electronic products to filtration to um, you know, to, to fabrics division and the medical divisions, you know, saving lives and, and changing the way people are, you know, modern medicine, you know, I think uh, I'm super thankful here. I am two weeks out of major back surgery sitting here in front of you today, feeling really good. So <laughs> modern medicine, amazing. Yes, it is. Good. You'll be able to go out hunting soon then, Jim? Gosh, uh, we'll see. I, I have a 28 yeah, gauge. Yeah, we'll see. I'll have a 28 gauge that I'll need to uh, utilize. Oh, perfect. For the next, perfect. The yeah, next no recoil. Yeah. yeah, very little recoil, yes. It's Good. a tremendous gun. You know, it's funny. I started shooting that 28 gauge last year, and I just couldn't believe how effective. Uh, just just a terrific gun. And then, I, you know, on ducks, and I used some uh, back ridge ammo that, that had built some shells for me, and, um, their range for mm -hmm. ducks was was very impressive. Yeah, it's you know my son hunts with a twenty gauge, and yeah, he's he's made some impressive shots with a little twenty gauge with you know number four and and a skeet tube, you know. And yep. That, that let me ask you, Jim, a big difference in hunting between Maryland and Montana. Oh, I, I imagine. Yes, very much so. You know, and and I better grew... in Montana. Oof. Or just different. Uh, I'm sure you have different. good, you know, Chesapeake Bay. You know, that's the iconic waterfowl area. It is. It's the Atlantic Flyway is really a tough place to hunt, and if you man, if you measure success in in numbers of birds harvested, you're going to be sorely disappointed on uh, on the Atlantic Flyway these days. Um, but I grew up, you know, hunting agricultural fields, mostly cornfields and bean fields for geese, and you know, we we. We, they, I went, we had a five-year moratorium where we couldn't shoot any. Wow. Eastern shore hunting? Correct, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've hunted both the eastern shore and Montana. I'll yeah. take Montana. <laughs> and I like them both. Nothing against the eastern shore, but I've had a couple of unbelievable hunts uh, right off the Little Bighorn River. Oh, yeah. Um, and just, man. So far less hunting pressure in Montana, I'm sure. For waterfowl, I mean, it's primarily yeah. a big, big game state, and I'm sure very few hardcore. Well, I'm sure there's hardcore waterfowlers, but compared to Mississippi or Atlantic Flyway, they're few and far between. I would say there's certainly less people doing it. I think um, it, it's remarkable in all the places that I've had the the opportunity to hunt. It's remarkable how good the waterfowl hunting is here in Montana. And I, you know, I'm reluctant to say that because it is a sleeper state, I believe. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to be able to shoot seven mallards and, you know, five honkers and, and, and routinely, you know, putting up big numbers. But, you know, it's, it's, 
it's different. So it just depends on, on, um, I guess where you are, I try and find enjoyment and, and I guess doing this for so long, to me, the hunts measured a successful hunts measured more by the people you spend it with. And I think that's Amen. what waterfowl hunting is all about for me, uh, than number of ducks or geese. Not, not that I don't enjoy shooting ducks and geese, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I think some of the most memorable hunts have, have resulted in or from either overcoming, you know, severe condition or, you know, just ha- you know, getting trucks stuck in fields or whatever it might be, you know, just the things mm-hmm. you look back and you're like, wow, you know, we may have shot a handful of ducks or geese, but it was something that, that, you know, sometimes spent with people and, and uh, overcoming some kind of uh, issue. Yeah. Those days definitely stand out yeah. for better or for worse. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. You know, and I agree. I love to, a lot of it's about the experience, <laughs> but I can tell you, and I can speak for Dave too. Both of us, we both really like to kill shit. So it's <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. It's definitely the, the memorable uh, days with company and good hunts are, yeah, definitely. They're more memorable than the days you sit out there all day long, regardless of the company and don't see anything, but you can still have a good time. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, you know, and, and Canada, yeah, my goodness, I, I've been hunting Canada now um, for the last, I guess, four years. And, you know, it's, it's, that's a pretty special place too. So, I, you know, lots of, yeah, numbers, I'm sure that could spoil you. I've never, never hunted Canada. So you go there early season, then obviously before the Montana and season uh, opens up. Yeah. So the, I've mm-hmm. been in there. I've been there September the last two years. I've I've been in October, um, which you know mid October this year was was tough. So we you know it had this year was a little different. And we're in Saskatchewan, and you know it got cold early up there. And I think um, you know the snows had pushed out, and you know there it was really uh, quite challenging. And and I think the uh, snow goose hunting across the uh, North America this year is going to be quite challenging based on the uh, the harvest or, or the reproduction uh, rate for that whole uh, region. So, where where in Saskatchewan? Um, so, we've been hunting um, near Fishing Lake, so um, north of Regina. <laughs> And south. Can you say that word without smiling? I know. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an interesting place for sure. <laughs> so drive right through Regina and pick up pick up whoever at the airport and keep going. So it's yeah. But, so but you drive a, right from Montana, I'm sure, man. So yeah, so it's about twelve. You are drive. Yep, twelve yeah, hours nice. from Bozeman. Yeah, depending wow. on the border crossing uh, debacle. Yeah. Where do you cross that? uh plenty wood so it's uh port raymond i think but it's plenty wood montana's the nearest town so it's and it's it's been great you know they're i think they're so used to seeing people and as long as you're prepared and answer your questions and and be respectful i haven't had any issues of um you know it's never really had much of a concern and i and but i you know i'm up front i know how much um, ammunition I'm allowed to take. I know how much alcohol I can have in my vehicle. I know, you know, 
anything that they can ask, I can answer, you know, very readily and, and tell them exactly where it's at if they want to inspect it. So you've got one of those vehicles that runs on alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes, I, yes, I do. <laughs> I hear you, brother. No, I like hunting up there. Uh, too, I've hunted up around, well, I've hunted near Regina and okay. up around um, the Battlefords and near St. Wahlberg and over toward Lloyd Minster, which is right on the Alberta Saskatchewan border. And, uh, and, you know, people think it's just so easy up there, but it can be very challenging. Absolutely. We're, you know, and, and um, I've been up there at, uh, on a guided hunt. I, did, I went up there on a writer hunt at Habitat Flats with uh, a Benelli writer hunt. And, but all the other times I've been up, it's been DIY and we're doing all our scouting and, and getting permissions and everything. And, I, and it's a really, it's a really cool thing to, to be able to do that and have the interaction with the landowners and, and just experience the culture um, of Canada. So I, I, I really enjoy it, all, all aspects of it. And, and you make or break your own success similar as you would, you know, whether you're doing it here or there. Um, and it's, you know, it's been really good. Cool. So do you, where all do you hunt in the lower 48? It really depends on what product I'm working on and what, what needs I might have. Um, or if there's a, an event I need to be a part of, but gosh, I've, I've hunted, you know, I, I hunted a couple of uh, years pretty heavily in the timber region when we were doing our timber pattern development. So I spent a lot of time in Arkansas and, uh, Missouri and Kansas. And That's a tough project, press, uh, tough product development. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, uh, well, somebody's got to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. The timber, hunting flooded timbers is super cool. I, I would, I would like to say that I've been, or been able to experience just that, that, you know, clown's mouth where they're just dumping in on top of you. And, but I have not. It's, it's, it's been, it was quite challenging when I was there. So it's hit or miss, you know, it's just like anything else. If you're not there at the right time, it's not going to be nearly as exciting. So I was not able to experience some of the, the flooded timber hunts that people talk about. No, I haven't either. I've hunted some flooded timber, but I've never been on a, one of those just knock them out hunts right. where they're just fighting through the treetops. Right, right. No, yeah, I've no, never, like that. never have uh, <laughs> experienced that yet, but. It is a unique experience, especially for us Westerners, where we're not used to even seeing many trees where we hunt, you know, and uh, that's a fun. Hey, Jay Paul, isn't your opener uh, this weekend? Yeah, I, I actually, uh, it is. It's this weekend, I'll be down in Marvel. Uh, by the way, Jim, you have an open invitation to come to Arkansas and hunt with me. If you come in January, Dave will be around early january usually is maybe we could all go yeah out. about january just booked my flight around the uh, 12th 13th i'll have there you to go. i'll have to consider that hopefully that doesn't fall on top of shot show i think shot show is a little later i think i got a reminder for shot show at i think that's uh maybe the week after so yeah. a little close but yeah i remember the shot show days mm. a week in vegas that, <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. Browning booth was uh, three days to set up, two days to take down. Then you have a four-day show. Yeah, that was, that was good times. The shot show. 
uh, yeah. Jay Paul, you got probably one of the best openers um, in many, many years lining up. You have tons of water, snow, and even colder and more snow to the north. You guys must be covered up with birds right now. You know, it's a double-edged sword, though. We've got so much water, Dave, that, you know, that the, the birds are dispersed. I mean, we've got a lot of gadwall in the area. Um, you know, all the, you know, smaller ducks that are more uh, photo migrators and climate-driven, you know, there are a lot of them here, but they're spread out. And surprisingly, we're still not seeing numbers of mallards like um, I would have expected. I talked to... Uh, good friend of mine who guides has a place called Goose Farms uh, near Cherry Valley, Arkansas. It's one of the premier places that I've hunted over the last several years. And usually he is absolutely wrapped up with ducks. And I talked to him earlier today, his name's West Bond. And I'm like, you know, you guys wrapped up. He said, you know, we've got ducks, but the problem is we got water everywhere. We're trying to get some water off because they're so spread out. So, yes, it's going to be a good opener. I'm really mm -hmm. excited about it. Um, you know, I've got reports there are a lot of snows and speckle belly. Of course, I don't give a dang about the snows, but there are a lot of speckle belly geese already in central and southern Arkansas, down close to where you and I hunt. So, uh, I expect that we're going to work on the specs pretty hard this weekend and all next week. Yeah, with all that water after the opener, those ducks are going to even disperse even more. Yeah. With the hunting pressure. Yeah. Well, be challenging. Time. Well, I wish we had that problem out west about too much water. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I'm excited for the Tennessee opener because the Mississippi River is so high right now. I'm probably going to spend the Tennessee opening weekend uh, on, on, usually I'm in Stuttgart and I may drive down for Saturday, but uh, I'm going to spend it on the big river because there, there are a lot of mallards from the ports I'm getting you know, in the willows on the, on the big river because it's colder. So, and there's just mm -hmm. something magic about hunting on that Mississippi river to me. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Now, so we, how we, what, what will be your approach to hunting the big river there? Are you, are you in the boat with a boat blind up against edge or, you know, how does that look? Well, actually, um, I'll take my F4, uh, and, uh, I've got like a curtain. It's a homemade blind. I really need to get with Glade at Backwater Performance and get a true blind for my boat. Surprisingly enough, I work for Excel and I don't have one, but. They have uh, a curtain? What do you have? Just a shower curtain? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, I stole it out of my daughter's bathroom. It's not use on yeah, those it. Those pink polka dots probably don't help you at all, J. Yeah. Paul. Yeah, on that. <laughs> no, it's uh, uh, basically I took a piece of dead gum. Uh, conduit and uh had a lady sew a piece of cordura uh that i could slide on it just like you're sliding it you know on a curtain rod and we just gotta hang that up in front of us pull over into the willows sit in the boat and uh fire up the heater if it's really cold and you know those ducks the thing about the river is so cool you know you get out there in the morning and i usually come in right at daylight we're very rarely set up at legal shooting time just for the you know safety factor of it i mean you know <laughs> this time of year you've still got a lot of barge traffic on that mississippi river and you know if you've got a barge that's fully laden uh heading downstream and i learned a long time ago on the river 
we put in below wherever we're going to be hunting and we run upstream so if you do have a problem you can at least float back down to your truck <laughs> yeah, and good plan again. right <laughs> i've been bitten good once plan. before uh, mm-hmm. on that so um but you know i mean still you know you got a barge kicking up five six seven foot rollers uh, wow. in the dark and you never know right now the river's so high there's all kinds of crap you know hell i, I saw probably a, a hundred foot tall tree uh, in the river a couple of days ago floating down it it's amazing you know what what there is out there in that river so but yeah we go out there you know you ride on the river with the barges and uh yeah you just at certain river levels we've got an idea where we think the ducks are going to be and yeah and those, mm-hmm. those birds they're migrators usually they're stupid yeah are you using yeah. multiple dogs to try i mean some of that big river hunting depending on how fast it's flowing and trying to have a dog that's able to keep up well you know if, if i'm in a place with a lot of current jim i don't even use a dog it's just too dangerous you just cut loose and go and chase we just cut loose and go but now you know most of the time we're in fairly slack water when the river's this high so we yeah. just use you know one dog and a, and a guy um a lot of times we'll take a little canoe like piro yeah kayak nice <laughs> chase yeah. boat chase boat yeah guy jumps yeah. in the kayak Paddles like hell after cripples while the dog's going rounding up all the dead ones. Yeah. Perfect. Now you're hunting the actual river. Are you hunting oxbows off the river? Are you right in the river channel? No, no. We're very, no, you know, occasionally we will be in the river channel in current. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of the time we're, you know, in the willows in, in slack water. That'd be fun. It does sound exciting. You know, I, yeah. All my, yeah. Go ahead, Jim. This, that, that whole, the whole, phenomena of the the rivers blowing out of their banks and, and hunting you know mm-hmm. in that kind of scenario and it's it's one of those things that i have not experienced so one of these days no I'm- i haven't either and my family my great grandpa used to hunt the illinois river great great grandpa was actually a market hunter on the illinois river up around grafton wow. um, so uh, yeah so i've got to do it sometime yeah Listen, you're both welcome to come. I mean, right now the river's up. It's going to be up for a little while. Y'all are welcome to come anytime. I'm, I'm dead serious about that too, Jim. I'd Absolutely. love that. Well, hopefully I get healed up here soon and maybe get down there for January. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, I'm a, one of my favorite products is the gradient jacket and the gradient pants. Yeah. By the way, who came up with that? Uh, the gradient pant was... Uh, uh, coming out right when I started and just a fantastic textile and, and it, it really, you know, evolved into more products as a result. So now the gradient tops, same utilizing that same textile and it's a, you know, it manages moisture, breathes extremely well. It's just a great layering piece and it's so um, versatile that. And yeah. so comfortable. Absolutely. I mean, it is like wearing sweat. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it performs remarkably well in so many different scenarios. So, yeah, I really, yeah, all the thick uh, gear is comfortable. I mean, my boy, we hunt in the morning, he wears it all day long. I mean, he's just comfortable. Last year at school, it was a, a day where they just wear anything that's comfortable and casual. He wore a sick of clothes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I yeah. Love these it. are my most comfortable clothes. 
Uh, and there, yeah. there's one other kid, not many hunters in, in grade school. There's a couple of kids wrecked. Oh, man, you have Sitka stuff? Oh, uh, man. Uh, it's lucky. pretty special. But, uh, uh, yeah, he uh, wore his most comfortable clothes to school, and that was a Sitka. Yeah. 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 No, uh, um, Jack's the man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. Let me tell you, that gradient stuff, I love it because you can move around so well in the boat and stuff with it. And, yeah. You know, it, it's a great base a layer under your waders mm-hmm. and uh, doesn't bind or anything. You know, it, it's, it's like you're wearing comfy pajamas or something. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love the gradients. I love the gradient styles in there. Um, yeah, they've been such a fantastic layering piece. And, and I hear that time and again, how many people like it. And then we offer it in that mallard green color and, and in a solid color way. So people are, you know, wearing them every day. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I just got a Kelvin jacket, man. Yeah. You talk about something cool and a solid cover. You can wear it every day, but you, you know, the Delta, um, shell. Yep. Hey, the, uh, other day it was it was looking like rain and it was cold and you know i don't wear camo as a fashion statement so i'm i'm really glad you're offering the gradient in the green as well you know but uh that kelvin works great as an insulation layer underneath that delta jacket yep 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 so you know it's um the the fahrenheit so there's two two types of insulation uh, layers, you know, the gradient is a non-compressible insulation. So, you know, when you're layering, it doesn't compress. And then a Kelvin or a Fahrenheit for the waterfowlers um, is a lofted insulation. And, you know, it's it acts differently, but certainly provides that loft and you know, whether it's down or a prima loft uh, synthetic insulation, um, just different insulation values for different applications. And the packability is also something that to consider, you know, with the lofted versus uh, non-compressible, mm-hmm. but you just yeah. introduced the Fahrenheit uh, vest, right? So you have yeah, the so Dakota have, vest and yep. Fahrenheit vest. Yeah, Got we it. have Fahrenheit jacket and Fahrenheit vest for you know that are our uh, lofted insulation styles with wind stopper. Um, mm-hmm. Great, great layering pieces, and and you know it's funny. I never used to be a vest guy, but I certainly have learn to enjoy a vest in so many different applications now yeah they're they're a lot of times really really handy and have that freedom of movement with your arms and stuff too but you know the hood the hudson it's like the best of both worlds because the insulation on it's set up like a vest you know but you got the sleeves there for protection Mm -hmm. and yeah that's the thing that i like about my hudson it's like wearing a vest with waterproof sleeves yeah yeah so yeah, a lot. It's it's lots of different options, and I think that that's what that's what people seem to to really enjoy. They're building out their own system, and it's very specialized to them and how they hunt and where they hunt. And you know, having those options um, really seems to resonate with people. And and the the, the technical approach to apparel for for hunting has uh, been well received in the hunting community. Well, your products are great. I mean, Dave and I are both huge fans. We love it. We love the partnership that we have with Gore with Optifade. That has been unbelievable for us and hopefully for you guys too. Don't you think, Dave? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, your products are fantastic. And that in combination, I think, with the most effective camo pattern in the industry. And, you know, have we... So, so many boats uh, in Optifade. 
I mean, even fishing boats. I mean, we'll sell uh, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollar retail fishing boats, Optifade camo. Man, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, I think Optifade is sort of it's a it's a fashion statement as well. It's just a, a cool camo pattern. Yeah, even the fishermen love it, and and guys who fish and hunt out of their boats. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it looks killer on our F4 and. Yeah, I attribute that to the success of the F4 too. You know, our partnership with uh, with uh, Gore from Sika and Optifade. It's fantastic been, uh, to hear. Good partnership. Yeah. I tell you this: I take a great deal of pride when I tell anybody, "Hey, we are the only aluminum boat manufacturer out there licensed to offer a hunting boat in Optifade Marsh and Optifade Timber," and, and I'm, I mean that. I mean I'm. That's not being patronizing, you know, to you guys. It's just a fact. We're really, really proud of that. And, uh, you know, the products are great. It's so wonderful. I, you know, I feel like we've got by far the best duck boat in the industry. And you guys have the best uh, clothing that is actually equipment and gear in the industry. So it makes a great partnership that we take a great deal of pride in. That's fantastic. Good to hear, and, and I, I certainly appreciate it as well. And look, we've kept you on here for a while today, That's Jim, good. but I, I do would like to have you back again. Absolutely, uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed the conversation. Very good. Yeah. One day before you go, we got yes. one parting question for you. So, if we're <laughs> hunting together, you come down to Marvel and hunt with me and Dave in January, and one of us sneaks over to your blind bag to steal a snack out of it. What are we going to find? <laughs> it's going to be a pop tart. Uh, you know, I'm a pop. All right. <laughs> I love. My gosh, that must uh, that must be a sick thing, because you know Jeff uh, Watts' favorite <laughs> item. Yeah. Pop tart. Yeah, yeah. It's. My yeah. gosh. So what flavor? Uh, you know, I like brown sugar and cinnamon. Oh my oh. gosh! Same as Jeff. That's Same my as Jeff. <laughs> Same as mine. You know, actually, he has a pop tart case. Uh, and it's Optifade it. <laughs> camo. He sent me a photo oh. of it a couple of weeks ago. You you should market that. I mean, you're the waterfall product manager. I, you know, stick a pop tart yeah. case. I love it. You know, it's funny. I make the I make I make a joke. You know, in the waiters and doing a presentation, and and I'll often refer to pockets and and the design features and how I specifically size the pocket to fit a pop tart. A pop tart, <laughs> yeah. <got it. laughs> that is awesome. There is some truth to that, but not not, not entirely. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe the next jacket will have a pop tart pocket <laughs> with a built-in toaster. You could push a button and it toasts it and pops it right out of your pocket. Yeah, yeah, that would be high but, too. Yeah, a better size for a pop tart than a hip flask. Well, you know that's for after the hunt. I am absolutely a connoisseur of bourbon as well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, that would be great. I would, uh, I would love to that to join you guys and hopefully we'll uh we'll be able to spend some time in the field uh always time best spent with people and and where you really get to know people is when you spend some time in a blind cool oh yeah absolutely that'd be fun i look forward to that yeah we look forward to having you man thank you so much for your time today really enjoyed it great products great people uh sick gear wl gore really really proud of our association with you guys 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I'll look forward to joining you again sometime. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Good luck with your recovery. Hope you get out in the field soon and have a nice uh, holiday next week. Can't believe Thanksgiving's next week already. My gosh. So fast. Yeah. Hey, that just means duck season is here in the south, baby. Yeah, it. it is. <laughs> yeah, you got to be stoked. Oh, man, I am so excited. You can't believe it. It's looking like it's going to be a really, really good season. Like you said, we've got birds, we've got water, maybe a little too much water, but hey, I'd rather have too much than be stuck like you poor guys out there in the West with none. I, I yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I totally, totally feel your pain. Well, Dave, Jim, man, great having both you guys. Of course, Dave, you're with me all the time. Uh, next week, I think we've got Ambry lining some stuff up for us, so no telling who we're going to have pop up next. But uh, for all you guys out there, we truly hope that you enjoyed listening to this edition of the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. <laughs>